0: 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master, and held in esteem, because by him the Lord had given victory unto Aram. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Naaman is a warrior for the Arameans, he's a pagan, and he's well-liked. He has leprosy. In God's law, the Israelites had to be Isolated, if they had leprosy, they weren't allowed to live in the community. But Naaman is a pagan, so he doesn't have to follow God's law. So he's allowed to go anywhere he wants. 2. And the Arameans had gone out in bands, and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. During one of the raids or battles that Naaman fought, His men had taken prisoners of war who were Israelites, and one of these prisoners of war was a little virgin Israelite girl. She ended up becoming Naaman's servant. 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, then would he recover him of his leprosy. The prophet at this time is Elisha, and he has had many miracles. He had five miracles in the last chapter that we read. This little girl knows that if Elijah asked God to heal Naaman, Naaman would be healed. It shows you that she actually cares about her master, even though she was kidnapped, taken away from her homeland, and she now has to work for a pagan who she never knew. She still cares about him. And that shows you that she does have character traits that God's people are supposed to have, we are supposed to care about everybody, even if we ourselves are in bad circumstances. We are not supposed to take it out on other people and not care about people. This girl is kind of like Joseph when he was kidnapped and put in slavery, he still worked hard and did his best and cared about his masters. This little girl is the same way. 4 And he went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. Somebody told Naaman what the little girl had said to Naaman's wife, that she knew a prophet who could heal Naaman. 5 And the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and took with him ten talents of silver, and six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Clothing in ancient times was very expensive. If you gave somebody brand new clothes, that was a really precious gift. He's bringing ten changes of clothing along with silver and gold as a gift to the Israelites if they can have their prophet heal Naaman. Six. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. 7 And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? But consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh an occasion against me. The king of Israel, who at this time is Jehoram, I believe, he's upset by this letter because the Arameans expect God to heal Naaman. He may not think that God would heal a pagan. The king of Israel thinks that this is all a trick because they are setting him up for an excuse to go to war. 8 And it was so, when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Ripping your clothes always means mourning. It always means that you are really upset, you need God's help, you are in dire straits. When the king rips his clothes, he doesn't have to tell anybody that he's upset. When Elisha hears that he ripped his clothes, Elisha knows that he needs help. And he says, bring him to me and then then the Arameans will know who the real God is. 9 So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. 10 And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come back to thee, and thou shalt be clean. This will be the sixth miracle of Elisha that we've read about when Naaman gets healed, and he's telling Naaman to dip his body, his entire body, in the Jordan seven times. I believe he's telling him to basically baptize in the Jordan seven times, because it wouldn't make any sense if he was scrubbing his skin and washing. And he says, after the seventh dip, then you won't have leprosy anymore. 11 But Naaman was wroth, meaning angry, and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and recover the leper. 12 Are not Amana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. This is a lesson to us, Naaman expects rituals to heal him, and he expects a formula to heal him. He thinks that he can't be healed unless the Prophet actually sees him face to face, and the Prophet does something in front of him like waving a hand over him. And even if the prophet did want him to wash himself in a river, it should be a clean river, not the Jordan. The armies of Israel have to cross the Jordan a lot, because they have camps on both sides, and they fight battles on both sides. Because there is a lot of crossing of the Jordan, it's not a very nice looking river, it's muddy, and it's not pristine at all. And Naaman thinks, well why should I wash in this muddy river? The Jordan is normally crossed by ferries, but the Israelites crossed it by foot when Joshua was alive, because God parted the waters, and God parted the waters twice for Elisha, once when he was with Elijah and once when he was alone. This is an important river. Later on in the New Testament, this is going to be the exact same river that both John the Baptist and Jesus baptized their own disciples in, and it's going to be the same river that Jesus himself gets baptized in. It doesn't matter how dirty it looks, it's God's river. Naaman expects ritual to heal him, he doesn't like what he's been told, it doesn't sound like a good enough ritual, that he goes and dips in a dirty river that he's never known, and that the Prophet won't even meet with him face to face. You and I need to understand that when we need healing, we don't look to a certain prophet to see us face-to-face. We don't have to make it to the miracle meeting of prophet so-and-so. We just have to believe that God is God and that he will heal us. People do get healed at miracle meetings, but you don't have to be at one to get healed. You can be right at home in your living room and he can heal you. 13. And his servants, meaning Naaman's servants, came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? They're reasoning with Naaman, saying, Well, if he had asked you to jump hoops, you would have done it. But he's only asking you to do something super, super easy. And this also shows how powerful God is, because Naaman's only being asked to to do something that's super simple and easy and anybody can do it. Even somebody in a wheelchair could do this because you could have people dip you. It takes no skill whatsoever to get dipped in the water seven times. They're pointing out that the Israel God is kind and very very powerful. He doesn't need Naaman to jump hoops and win a marathon in order to get healed. 14 Then went he down. He agreed with their reasoning. And he obeyed what the prophet told him to do. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came back like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This is pretty neat because he got brand new baby skin, like when he was born. This is one of the many times where we see how God is a God of abundance, kindness, generosity, and he's full of love. He always gives us more than we need. When Jesus fed the multitudes in the New Testament, they had full bellies. They didn't each just get, you know, two bites of fish and three bites of bread. They all got so much food that they couldn't even finish it all. And when Elisha prayed that the woman would have oil, she had all the jars of her whole neighborhood full of oil. And she was able to pay off her debts and then still have oil to live on. And all she asked, from the Lord was that he would pay off her debts. She didn't ask for the extra oil, but she got the extra oil. Naaman didn't ask to have the skin of a newborn baby, but that's what he got. He only asked to be healed of the leprosy. And you see, God did more for him. And God will do more for you too. Whatever you're asking of the Lord, he'll do better because he loves you. 15 And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a present of thy servant. Naaman now has faith in the one true God, he's no longer a pagan. Isn't this beautiful? Because he was healed, he now believes. And this is how a lot of people come to the Lord. They come to the Lord because the Lord healed them, or delivered them, or saved their life. This isn't how everybody comes to the Lord, though. There's lots of other people who believed without receiving anything. But no matter which way you come to the Lord, whether it was because you just chose to believe, or if it was because God proved himself to you in some miraculous way, either way, you still have salvation. So he asked Elisha to take the gift of the gold and the silver and the clothing. 16 But he said, meaning Elisha, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Like a true prophet, Elisha refuses to take money or gifts from anybody. The reason that prophets always refuse money and gifts is because, remember we read the law in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy that God forbid anyone who judges to take a gift, because it will make you biased so that you can't judge correctly. And prophets do judge because they tell people to repent of their sin. If you receive a gift from somebody, it makes it a lot harder to tell them to repent because you want them to feel good because they gave you a gift. So then you have a hard time confronting them about their sin. And prophets have to confront people about their sin. That's part of their ministry. And so God never allows prophets to accept gifts. and that is. One of the reasons I know that most people who claim to be prophets today are not prophets because they all take donations. Because there's no prophet in the Bible who takes donations. And that includes Jesus because it was Judas who took donations and kept a purse, not Jesus. And Jesus never told Judas to take donations. That was Judas's own idea. 17. And Naaman said, If not yet, I pray thee, let there be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. 18. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, when my master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I prostrate myself in the house of Rimon. When I prostrate myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. Naaman is saying that he will never sacrifice to the demon gods again. He does not believe in paganism anymore. However, because he's a soldier, his superior officer is old and needs him to support him when the superior goes to offer to the idols. So it's Naaman's job to hold his hand so that he doesn't fall down because he's an old man. It's his job to take the old man to the temple of the demon gods. And Naaman is saying he wants to be forgiven by God for continuing to do his job and lead the old man to the pagan temples, but he himself will never offer a pagan sacrifice. I think it is better not to try to cut a deal with the Lord, but to simply honor him 100%. But Naaman is doing the best that he understands to do. He doesn't know better, he thinks that this is the best he can do, is continue doing his job, but at the same time not worship those gods himself. 19 And he said, meaning Elisha said to Naaman, Go in peace, so he departed from him some way. God has forgiven Naaman, just as Naaman asked. God is going to allow Naaman to take his superior to the pagan temple and help the old man bow in the pagan temple, understanding that Naaman himself doesn't worship the false gods. I believe God has forgiven him because Naaman doesn't know any better. He's never read God's law. This shows you how kind God is. He does understand when people are in ignorance and they don't know any better. Like a child, maybe somebody who has a learning disability, somebody who's never been told the gospel and has been isolated from the gospel their entire life. But he does pardon some people who don't know any better. That's no excuse to you and I, because we're reading the Bible and we do know better. So you and I don't get a pardon. 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared this name in the Aramean, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. As the Lord liveth, I will surely run after him and take somewhat of him. Gehazi is being evil in this chapter, he's decided, and we've already seen in previous chapters that he isn't really a man of faith. There was one time when he said something wise, but other than that, he's shown multiple times that he does not have a lot of faith. And Gehazi wants the riches that Naaman brought. And so he's going to go behind Elisha's back, and Elisha is his own master. But he's going to secretly go behind Elisha's back and get some of the gifts that Naaman was offering. So he runs to catch up with Naaman. 21 So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw one running after him, he alighted from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? Naaman is wondering, what's wrong, You know, why are you coming after me, because he knows that this is Elisha's servant. 22 And he said, All is well, my master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there are come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of raiment. Gehazi is telling a lie to Naaman that Elisha changed his mind because now he has visitors and he wants his visitors to have a gift. 22 And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him, and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of raiment, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bore them before him. Naaman gave the clothing and the money to two of his own servants, and they carried the gift ahead of Gehazi to Elisha. 24. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. So as far as Naaman and his servants know, Elisha got the goods, but actually Gehazi sent Naaman's servants away, and he put the goods in his own house. 25. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. No wither means nowhere. Gehazi is lying again and telling Elisha that he didn't even leave, which is a total lie. 26, And he said unto him, meaning Elisha said to Gehazi, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned back from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? Elisha is saying, I saw you when you met. Naaman. I saw the whole thing, because remember, Elisha is a seer. He can see things, because it's a gift from the Lord. He can see things that are going on. And that's why prophets are called seers, because God gives them visions. He's intimating that if Gehazi takes the money and the garments now, later on it'll be a vineyard, or a field, or oxen. He'll keep getting more and more greedy, and he'll want more and more gifts. 27 The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee, and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. So at this point, Gehazi now has leprosy. Naaman got healed, but because Gehazi lied to Naaman, lied to Elisha, lied to the Lord, and took the goods that he wasn't supposed to take, now he is going to inherit the leprosy that Naaman had, but not only him, all of his descendants as well. There are consequences to sin, and sometimes that means generations will be affected by the sin that we commit. We have to be really careful because it can affect our children. Now, when our children repent of their own sins, they can get healed from the damage that our sins did to them. It isn't like it's not reversible, but we still do damage our children when we commit sin. And that's another reason to live righteously. And that concludes 2 Kings chapter 5.